Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello and welcome to another Comic Book Tales adventure. Uh, this is chapter four of my retrospective on Marvel from one man's viewpoint to you. In the last uh, episode, I talked about Marvel just kind of coming on the scene with Amazing Fantasy number 15 and the introduction of Spider-Man. And I've gotten some responses uh, about that. And the this response is, well, yes, yeah, Spider-Man was a big deal. He was a big deal. And, and look at the whole Marvel universe. It's, it's huge. And I think it's hard to separate what you know today from what was known then, 1962, the summer of 1962. Marvel wasn't Marvel. Marvel was a company, Timely Atlas, whatever you want to call it at that time. It was a company, but nobody really, nobody took up and stood up and took notice at Marvel. I mean, Spider-Man was introduced. He didn't exist prior to that comic. And he, he didn't exist in any other form for another seven months. So Marvel at that time was still a, a, a minuscule part of the entertainment landscape in, in, in the grand scheme, and certainly in the comic book world, even smaller. Uh, there just wasn't anything there to speak of. So when you look back at that time, you have to think of it as that time. The Marvel Cinematic Universe didn't exist. The pantheon of characters did not exist. So we had introduced Marvel had introduced the Fantastic Four prior to this. They introduced Spider-Man. Uh, then they introduced the X-Men and the Avengers. Okay, so you started to get a rounded out a little bit. You got a little rounded out um, deal there, but they'd already had Ant-Man and uh, the Wasp, and they had Iron Man, and they had Thor, and they had the Hulk. So all these things have been introduced, but never coalesced into anything burgeoning. Now, why is this important? Why is all this important? Because DC existed. DC had characters. Yeah, they dropped off a little bit in the 50s into the early 60s, and superhero comics were not what we think of today as superhero comics. But why did Marvel, what, what did Marvel do that was different? And it was a couple things. Okay, first of all, they set their universe in the real world. Okay? So prior to this, you had Batman existed in Gotham. Okay, and Superman existed in Metropolis, and there was Fawcett City, and all this stuff. This all existed not part of our world, and that was by design, because when they were created in the 30s and 40s, it was that's what they wanted to do, and that's how they came up with it in the DC universe. And even the word DC universe, I'll get to that in a second, but that didn't exist in the way you think it does. So. The difference was Spider-Man was taking place in New York City. And the Fantastic Four was in New York City. And most of everything going on was in New York City. And a lot of people have asked me, why New York City? What was the, what was the draw of New York City? And the reality was this, were, this is where the authors and artists and pencilers and letterers resided. This is where the offices were. People didn't move cross-country to work for a comic book company. They were the people who lived there. So they drew what they know. They wrote about what they knew. 
they, they touched on the landmarks of what they knew. Now, why is that important? I can create a city. I can create SimCity out of nothing, and it's still a city. The difference is Marvel created a city that already existed. They created a fictional version of a city that already existed, and people could relate to that. Just think about that. When you see something on TV, I don't care what it is, you say, a small town where you grew up, and they show a picture of, that looks like your small town. You go, hey, I know that place. Now you're interested in the show. It doesn't matter what the show is. You're interested because you now have a connection. Or you run into somebody at a party and they say, oh, yeah, I grew up such and such a place. And you go, that was three miles from where I grew up. Now we have a connection. So all Marvel did was make a connection. They had to. They, didn't, they were a struggling company. They made a connection to what people knew. Now, if you're living in Los Angeles, you're going, I don't care about New York City. It's not the same connection. But at least there was a connection. They could talk about real places, real buildings for the most part, real landmarks for the most part in the city. It made it, it made it more believable. It made it more believable. Why did Orson Welles' War of the Worlds frighten so many people and get so many calls of the police and the FBI? Because it took place in a real location. There were real people who thought the aliens were invading the world. And it was happening in Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Well, guess what? This was happening in New York City. This could be happening. It, 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 logically, you didn't think it was happening. Adults didn't think it was happening. Children weren't sure. They weren't sure they weren't going to look up in the sky and see Spider-Man swinging across the skyscrapers. They didn't know. There was just a little bit there that made you think, possibly. Okay, so that's the first thing. They placed it in our world. Not some fantasy made-up place that's harder to flesh out. They took what they knew and they just cobbled on their universe on top of it. The second part is the universe. Okay, DC existed and those places existed and there was some overlap to a point, but it was very, very limited prior to this time. Marvel, somewhat by accident, somewhat by design, and I think it was more accidental design on Stan Lee's part. To keep it straight, he had to keep them all together. He had to keep them all in New York City but he made them all interactive. He made all the characters interactive. So you saw interaction with the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and Avengers and X-Men and, and Spider-Man and all everybody else, Daredevil and, and everybody you saw in that world. They interacted. They would guest star in those books. And it was another way to get some publicity out of for that character, but it was also a way to knit them together into a universe. So prior to this happening, comic universes didn't exist Outside of the family of books, like Captain Marvel or Shazam, had a Shazam Jr. and everything, but that's how they were connected. They weren't connected to the greater DC universe, even when they were bought by DC. It was just, you know, here's a here's a piece, we'll just chug it in there and, and it'll run on its own. The Marvel Universe didn't exist that way. The Marvel Universe existed as a whole. And it was a pantheon of characters that were created to occupy that whole space. It, it got to the point... You know, by the by the 80s where you're like, boy, is there any room left in New York City for human beings that aren't super powered? Because there seem to be super powered beings everywhere. But at that time in the early 1960s, that wasn't the case. So they had to root it in 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 what we knew. Even the Hulk, who was created in New Mexico, somehow found himself in New York. Can't explain why he beat the desert and his leaping ability allowed him to jump across country and have his adventures, but still send 
end up in places that were occupied. It's a, it's a unique take, and it, it seems to me like, well, why didn't somebody else think of that? Well, they didn't. They just didn't. So he this was thought of, I'd say Stanley had a large majority of the thought process here. Stanley gets a lot of blame, but he, gets, he should get a lot of credit for a lot of things, too, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So they had the set in the real world. They they cohesively put this universe together, and then they serialized it. And what do I mean by that? I mean they took characters, and the issue didn't end the story. Okay? You see this on TV now. You see an overarching theme for a season of a TV show, and you see the daily minutiae that eventually culminates at the end of that season with the overarching. What do we do in the meantime till we got to that big bad at the end? Well, that didn't exist, okay? That didn't exist in TV at that time. It didn't exist in in comic books for sure. So comic books, they ended after an issue. You might have occasionally have a, a pickup of some theme from a previous issue, but it was really limited. It was very, very basic. Marvel changed that. They changed how things were serialized. They made things seem like they were interconnected and intertwined. And that was a vast difference from what you saw prior to that period of time. So you set it in a world you knew, you gave the, the all cohesive elements, and you you made the stories longer. You made them lengthen. So you had to pick up a previous issue. Now, they, they give a great recap, and that's something you didn't understand at the time. Stan Lee felt that every time you picked up an issue, it could be your first issue. So if it was off-putting because you didn't know where the story was, then you wouldn't pick up the, another issue because you're like, oh, it's too hard to track. I don't know where things are going. I don't know where this came from. But there was always a blurb when Stan Lee was in charge that gave you a, this is what happened before. And it was quick. It might be a sentence or two, but it got you to where you needed to know to understand where this comic was going. You didn't have all the intricacies. You didn't need to. You had enough to understand to move forward with this story, even if it was your first issue ever, and there were only 150 before it. You knew enough to read this and enjoy it. And that's huge. That is a huge difference from what was going on before because the, the stories were just, you didn't have to, it didn't matter which one you picked up. It was self-contained. Didn't matter. This is it. Boom, we're done. Uh, come back next week and we'll have another, or next month and we'll have another issue for you. So those three things combined made a huge, huge difference. Okay? And the last thing was the Marvel way. The Marvel method. Now what's the Marvel method? And that's something that it's taken for granted today. So in, in those early days, Stan Lee was doing most of the writing. Okay? And Jack Kirby doing a lot of the, the art, but not everything, but a lot of the art. Steve Ditko was doing Spider-Man. But it, the Marvel way was, and, and this is counterintuitive when you think about it, St Stan Lee said, I'm writing all these books, so I need you to give me art for you know the Avengers and the X-Men and Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. Give me art. Here's the progression of the story in a basic general outline. The artist would go home, write, draw it up, bring it back, and give the rough outline. And then Stanley would put in the, the words. So the artist was basically 
pacing the story from page to page to page, saying I need 14 pages and I need it to be, this is the general gist of it. And Stan Lee would tailor the words to fit the art. Not the artist tailoring the, the art to fit the words, which is a total change from how it was done everywhere else any other time. Now, without a necessity because Stan Lee was writing all the books. And he needed to have pages in front of him to script. So it saved him time if the artist could bring him back the pictures. So you think about that. Take a picture book and with no words and try to make a story out of it. It's an interesting method. And it worked. And it saved time on the back end. And so saying, well, I can't make that art work because of limitations here, there, and everywhere. What if I did this? Well, then you'd have to redo the writing so it would take more time. Stan saved all that time. He said, okay, this is what you've given me. And it, may, it makes more sense the way you're saying it than the way I was thinking about it in my head. So I'll write it that way. It just it was a, it was a Marvel method. And the Marvel method of, of storytelling was different. And it was obvious to people in the industry, and it showed up on the pages. The pages were different. The motion flowed. Jack Kirby was great at this. And Jack Kirby deserves all the credit credit due him for creating characters and having a, a much larger hand in the creation of the Marvel Universe than I think in the early days he was given credit for. Stan Lee was the marketer. He was the guy out there pushing Marvel. And Jack Kirby was the guy behind the scenes just the machine creating everything you know it just it didn't wouldn't have worked any other way and when other people came in things started to happen differently but in those early days it had to be that way and the pages reflect that now i'm not a fan necessarily of all those stories i think stanley's writing skills at least at that time were were not what i liked they were stilted they were you know paternalistic I, I i didn't care for the writing but it was the stories themselves what occurred so in the previous decades in the old method you put the letter you put the words in and then and then the artist would draw around that and that's how they did a story so it didn't flow it was it was much more caught jerky herky jerky in a story flow kirby changed that and that's a big deal that's a big deal to the comics of today, because now you see, you see characters splash across two pages. You didn't have that. You had panels. Jack Kirby changed that. The, the Silver Surfer coming out of the out of the page at you, in the pages of Fantastic Four, that was Jack Kirby. That was that was Stanley letting Jack Kirby take the story where it needed to go, to make it come alive. So those four things: the Marvel method, the the intertwined. Uh, stories that would go across multiple issues the marvel cinema the marvel universe not cinematic but just the marvel universe in and of itself and then the basement the basing in the real world all of that changed comics okay this was a a world that had never been seen never done the same they didn't have the baggage of dc they were making it up as they went they wanted to give a power to somebody they gave a power to somebody they wanted to give a uh, backstory, they could do it. They could give you a basic and then flesh it out later when they felt like they needed to flesh it out because it advanced the, the, the storyline of that character. That was all a change. So if you're looking at it from today, you cannot look at it the same way that it was looked at in the early 1960s. It was 
it was fascinating and it was different. And it was exciting different. Remember I said, if you weren't part of the, the solution, you were part of the problem? Well, all comic creators were part of the problem by the late 1950s. They all had mailed it in. They were just doing enough to get by, and they did it the same way all the time because that's what had worked. But fans weren't excited. Fans weren't overjoyed, and sales reflected that. This changed everything. And it wasn't long before DC got on, figured it out and said, hey, we need to emulate that. But this was still the point where DC said, we're still the big dog, and you're the little dog, and we'll tell you what to do and how you can distribute your, your books. But it changed the world. So next time we'll talk about that changed world and what that means for Marvel as they take, try to take a seat at the table of communication and entertainment in the United States. Stay tuned for Chapter 5. This has been a Hannah Tree production.